0: Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast. Our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Monica Wesley, your host for today's podcast. And today I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Amelia Linneman. She is um, basically right now, she is an assistant professor of pediatrics at Indiana School of uh, Medicine in Indianapolis. It's located her labs are located in the diabetes center. And she uh, basically secured a PhD at Wayne State, followed up with a fellowship at University of Wisconsin. She's also an adjunct assistant professor of anatomy, cell bio, and physiology, as well as biochemistry and molecular biology. So she's quite busy. Um, And in addition to numerous awards throughout her career, Dr. Lindman is currently funded by a prestigious K01 um, Career Development Award from the NIH. And she just received her first R01, which is very exciting. Her focus um, in her laboratory is to understand the mechanisms of pancreatic beta cell death, survival, and islet compensatory, compensatory adaptation to cellular stress. And also how all these factors could contribute to diabetes pathogenesis. So welcome, welcome, Amelia. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. Um, I just wanted to ask, how did you become interested in autoimmunity and type one diabetes?
1: Sure, so it was actually really just the natural evolution of, of my career, and I kind of followed the science to get to, to where I am and to what I'm PhD, I started out studying how the physical architecture of chromatin influences gene expression networks,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, transitioned then to, uh, first to studying um, transfactor regulation of gene networks in my postdoc, but um, kind of felt that something was missing. And ultimately I wanted to learn more about whole animal physiology um, and kind of felt that my research would never be what I wanted it to be without thinking about the whole system rather than just a single part of it. Um, So so I ended up choosing to do a second postdoc where I worked with um, Dr. Don Davis at um, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Right. Uh, and she's a physician scientist studying mechanisms of diabetes, um, primarily with a focus on, on obesity and type 2 diabetes. Um, she, she taught me a lot about diabetes and really got me hooked, um, but also gave me the freedom I needed to explore new concepts. So um, at, at the time, I was studying uh, the regulation of a gene called cholecystokinin uh, oh, yeah. in beta cells. Um, and how it's regulated by GLP-1. And, um, you know, as I was digging through the the literature, I got interested in this local production of GLP-1 in the islet and how that's regulated. And so, so, you know, as I followed the science, it kind of led me to studying um, this uh, pleiotropic cytokine interleukin-6, which had uh, recently been shown to stimulate GLP-1 production from alpha cells. so I thought, well, if IL six had these effects on alpha cells, um, what could it be doing to beta cells? I think that that you know IL six in particular has this, this bad rap um, <laughs> for effects on on, um, uh, on the beta cell. But but when I really dug into it, I felt that that the support of it wasn't entirely clear um, in that context um, because it was often you know IL six plus something else. Um, it was never IL six alone that seemed to be having these negative effects. Um, plus, IL six has this interesting role in um, exercise, wow. where where it seems to play a role in uh, glucose disposal. So, so you know, it seems to be doing these good things under certain conditions, bad things a, under other conditions. Um, so, so I got interested in this, um, and. And ultimately started studying what it does in the beta cell. So it turns out that IL-6 stimulates this process called autophagy in the beta cell, um, which you know I know we're going to get into more later. Um, yeah. But we published a paper um, in uh, the *Fast* journal in 2016, um, or was it early 2017? It's a bit blurry. I was starting my lab around then. Yeah, I'm um, sure it was. Um, but, but showing that the that, um, stimulation of autophagy by IL-6 has a protective effect on the beta cells. Okay. Um, so, so as I said, around this time, I moved from Wisconsin to Indianapolis to start my lab um, at IU School of Medicine. And I joined this really fantastic group of colleagues that were mainly working on type one diabetes. And I had always been interested in the mechanics of, of type one diabetes pathogenesis. But moving here really gave me the additional resources and the environment to grow that part of my work. Yeah, there's
0: a lot of excellent work going on, um, you know, at uh,
1: in Indianapolis, uh, and so that's exciting. Exciting times, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that that this sentiment that you're a product of of your environment is is definitely true, yeah. um, because I I learned a lot. Um, coming here and and gained access to um, you know resources and tissues and and things that that I didn't really know I could have access to before. Um, right. Made a huge difference. So, so anyways, we continued work on on IL six and uh, made a, a beta cell selective receptor knockout model to study the effects of loss of IL six signaling on beta cell function. Um, primarily using a chemical model of diabetes, uh, the multiple low-dose streptozitocin model. Yeah. Um, and so this work was funded by by my K01. Great. And so we know that STZ kills beta cells by stimulating ROS accumulation and, and inducing um, DNA damage as well. Uh, and we found that IL-6 could reduce that ROS, um, reduce beta cell apoptosis and actually delay diabetes onset in these STZ treated mice. Hmm. Uh, and it did this through coupling autophagy to the antioxidant response. Okay, that is very curious. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so so now because um, many of the factors that are involved in type one pathogenesis um, have also been shown to cause ROS accumulation, we got really excited about studying autophagy in type one diabetes. Um, So so I had a a graduate student um, that had recently joined my lab. Um, Her name is Sharanya Haran. Um, She's the first author on our recent Diabetes Losia paper. I can't wait Um, to talk about that. That's exciting. So that's your first graduate student? um, No, she's actually my second graduate student. Um, I had an MSTP student that was working on a a more uh, uh, reactive oxygen species focused uh, uh, project in the lab. And he's now back in medical school um, finishing up. this
0: lab sounds like a very exciting place to be uh, <laughs> if
1: you're a young uh, student. So I hope you so. to bookmark this place. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so so anyways, I asked I asked Hiranya to go to the literature and find anything she could on autophagy and type one diabetes, and she came back to me with basically nothing, um, and I was I was surprised. I couldn't believe it. Um, there's so much literature on autophagy and type two diabetes, but how could there be nothing really on autophagy and type one? Um, so, so we felt, you know, really strongly that it made logical sense that autophagy, um, had to be involved in, in promoting beta cell survival in an environment that could lead to, you know, a type one diabetes phenotype. So we decided to pursue these studies that then led to this paper that we're going to talk about.
0: Yes. And he, let's get to the meat of the sandwich here. This is this fabulous paper that just came out um, January 2021 in uh, Diabetologia. Pancreatic beta cell autophagy is impaired in type 1 diabetes. And it came out in the bioarchives in September 2020. And then, sort of, you know, it's its grand debut in January 2021. So, this is so interesting. Let's uh, first of all, autophagy it's defined basically specific to the beta cell in this case. Um, it really means it's talking about, or it's defined as macrophagy or crinophagy, but what are uh, where are these types of autophagy seen in other cells and other disease states?
1: Sure, sure. So um, uh, first of all, thank you um, for your compliments of the paper. I'm really excited that it's finally out. Yep. Um, so autophagy is a process that is present in virtually all cells, um, and it's critical for cell survival. Um, it, uh, you know, plays a key role in uh, nutrient sensing, in uh, recycling of, of damaged proteins and organelles, um, and is really a critical component of cellular homeostasis, um, including in beta cells. But, you know, like any good thing, too much autophagy is um, Is a bad thing. So, too much autophagy is is detrimental to the cell. Yeah. So, I think a lot of this um, is perhaps most widely studied in cancer. Um, So, in in cancer cells, um, or perhaps in precancerous cells, um, autophagy can suppress uh, tumorigenesis by inhibiting cancer cell survival and and inducing um, cell death. Um, and I think that that kind of historically, that is the role that autophagy was known for um, yeah. it's inducing this cell cell death. Um, but it also um, has been shown to facilitate tumorigenesis by promoting uh, cancer cell proliferation and tumor growth. So I think really it's it's more of a finely tuned balance that seems to be most important. Um, and of course, in addition to to cancer, there are also several. Um, autophagy-related gene polymorphisms that have been implicated in, in a variety of autoimmune diseases, um, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, uh, multiple sclerosis, to name a few.
0: Yeah, the, um, cousin, and the cousin diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. And, and so in addition to this, there's a lot of uh, literature out there demonstrating roles for um, autophagy and autophagy-related proteins in immune regulation and response to infection. Okay.
0: And then, so let's see. So macrophagy and autophagy is impaired in mice and humans uh, as they progress to type one. Crinophagy is reduced in T1D. So, how does this? What what can
1: you say about this? Sure, sure. So, um, so chronophagy is is um well so let me back up here so you know in the process of autophagy you have this encapsulation of of things in the autophagosome um, things that are are meant to be degraded and and you then have fusion of the autophagosome with the lysosome um, which contains acid hydrolases and after you get that that fusion you have delivery of the acid um, hydrolases to um or I should say delivery of the proteins to be degraded to the environment of the acid hydrolases, and then um, degradation ensues. Um, Chronophagy is related, but a little bit different in that it's the direct fusion of secretory granules with the lysosome. Um, And in the beta cell, chronophagy has been shown to play a role in the um, intracellular degradation of insulin to dispose of aged beta cell granules. Um, there was some really nice work on this subject um, in recent years uh, from uh, Emil Yunanowe. okay. Um, and And this work suggests that that ineffective degradation and release of contents from uh, the crinophagic pathway could actually, um, they suggested it could play a role in delivering peptides to the MHC one presentation machinery and perhaps play a role in autoimmunity. So, you know, kind of the two together, um, I think that there's a lot we don't know in this realm, um, but it's very provocative, right? Yeah. And
0: you're just, you've just opened it up. I mean, you've opened the, you know, opened the door into this realm. Um, and it looks like there's so much more to, to, to investigate. I mean, it's really an exciting
1: area. I I agree. And, you know, it's kind of, we had this hypothesis going into it on the basis of what we know from type two diabetes. um, And that is that, um, you know, autophagy is is perturbed in the context of of type two diabetes. And if you kind of go in and you mutate some of the um, factors involved in autophagy, in, in mouse models and then you put them on a high fat diet, um, you know, bad things happen, right? So, so autophagy is certainly required for this um, compensatory response of beta cells to, to stress. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that it's really exciting that, that we see some similar um, changes in autophagy in the context of type one and especially to see it in, in the human tissue samples yeah. No, that's very important in the human tissue samples
0: because right. There's been a lot of controversy. Oh, you know, how do mice really relate to the human disease, et cetera. So when you see it in the tissue of uh, the tumor, uh, the human samples that is meaningful, what, let's talk about the teleolysosomes. lysosomes. Can you describe what's going on with them and what's, you know, what they are, what's
1: their role? Right. Right. So, so, um, you know, we started looking in um, we, we started out in N.O.D. mice um, I, to look at, at some of these things. We we take our use of human tissue samples very seriously. Um, you know, people have donated their their organs um, for research. And we want to make sure always that we're adequately prepared to, you know, to do our best work um, yeah. with these precious resources. Yeah. Um, so so, you know, I, we had kind of started out in the NOD mouse model and convinced ourselves that that, you know, we thought that autophagy is really perturbed um, and chronophagy in in the context of autoimmune diabetes development.
0: Right. Um,
1: so so we then used that to request samples from um, uh, the NPOD uh, repository um, to study this in in human pancreas and in human islets. Um, And kind of along the way there, we got put in touch with, um, with Ben Heapmans, um, uh, who, who really played a key role in establishing, um, what's called the Nanotomy repository. And so what they love to hear more about that. So other people can learn about it. This is pretty cool. Yeah. And I feel like I have to tell you this in order to get to, to the telolysosomes. Sure. Uh, So, so we, we ended up getting in touch with Ben, um, and he's got this repository, which is um, uh, available online. Um, so anybody I think can request a login now. Um, they recently published the, the paper on this, um, I wanna say about six or eight months ago. Um, I think it was over the summer in 2020. Um, but um, they've taken a variety of, of the NPOD um, uh, tissue samples from the NPOD donors and have done um, this uh, electron microscopy um, on on the tissues. And Ben's group developed this really cool approach to uh, electron microscopy analysis where where they can essentially take multiple images um, and stitch them together so that you can get a much broader view of what's going on in a tissue section. Yeah. So so we first contacted um, Ben to ask about looking at some of these tissues because, you know, electron microscopy is the gold standard of autophagy analysis. It's, it's how, um, a lot of these types of vesicles were first discovered, um, was by looking at these really, really, um, focused views of, of cells. And, um, so he got in touch with Ben and began looking through, um, some of these tissues and he, he spent a lot of time Teaching us, um, you know, how to identify a beta cell, how to identify an alpha cell, um, you know, what are the different characteristics um, of the cells, and what do the structures look like. And so we started looking in depth at um, beta cells in, in particularly in some of the um, autoantibody positive donors compared to controls, but also in in some type one. Um, samples, although we were really underpowered to make um, broad conclusions there, which is why we don't have a whole lot of data on the EM analysis in type one. Um, okay. um, it, as you can imagine, it's a lot harder to find beta cells. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, but we, we started looking and trying to identify um, autophagosomes and lysosomes, which um, is you know, in the case of autophagosomes, it's effectively like looking for a needle in a haystack. Um, it's really difficult to identify them if you haven't um, used some sort of, of approach to stain them in the, yeah. in the sections. Um, <clears throat> lysosomes, on the other hand, are um, really more numerous and and more easily identifiable. Okay. Um, but we noticed that we, we saw these... Um, what looked like these multi-vesicular bodies, um, and and we didn't know what they were. Um, so so they kind of sat down with us and, and gave us this tutorial and said, oh, those are um, those are tertiary lysosomes, um, which uh, um, I think are also referred to as as telolysosomes as we have. Um, and as well as lipofusin bodies. So you'll see kind of all yes. three of those names throughout. Yeah, out. the
0: names are sort of interchangeable, right? Right,
1: right. Um so so we ended up um starting to see these, and I said, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should quantify these um and and you know, see if there's a difference between between the tissues. Um and it turns out that that there was. We saw this increase in these um uh, telolysosomes in the autoantibody positive donors, which is particularly interesting because uh, when we when we went to the literature and we started looking at, you know, what are these and what what do they mean, um, we saw that um, that uh, they effectively represent, Lysosomes that have accumulated oxidized and highly cross-linked proteins, um, lipids, and sugars that that are undigestible. Yeah. So, so it's that's the first indication we had that there was really something wrong. The garbage bags are accumulating and they can't be thrown out. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and it's funny you say that because I use that analogy when I teach um, uh, one of the grad classes I teach about autophagy, and I use this analogy of of garbage that, you know, sometimes it, it gets, the system gets overwhelmed, um, right. for, for whatever reason, and you can't get rid of it.
0: Oh, so, you know, I mean, what, I guess one more shout out to uh, Nanatomy and Ben's group, uh, the collaborative effort at work and, and, you know, moving the ball forward. That's awesome. I would say, you know, so the lysosomes they can be positively correlated with aging in a beta cell. Mm -hmm. and oxidative stress inhibition of lysosomal enzymes also associated with increased tumor lysosomes. And then, you know, I was sort of digging into this a little bit and also iron may accumulate within lysosomes as a component of lupifusion. What do you think about all that? You know, what are your thoughts about sometimes, you know, there's been some inference that um, the uh, HFE mutations, uh, hemochromatosis mutations could be underlying uh, some of the march towards type one D in the Nordic and European uh, populations. What do you think about this iron impact uh, playing a role in autophagy impairment?
1: Right. So you know, it's interesting to to note there was a um, really nice paper recently in Molecular Cell came out of a lab at Rockefeller um, showing that lysosome acidity is critical for maintaining iron iron homeostasis in um, a cell and thus promoting proliferation. So so they actually found this by doing an unbiased CRISPR screen in cells where they had disrupted the lysosomal pH. And they did this because they wanted to identify links between lysosomal acidity and proliferation. And interestingly, they um, discovered this link with with the iron balance. And they found that they could rescue, um, you know, the phenotype of their cells simply by providing cells with free iron. Um, so so I think that um, it's clear that there's this intimate relationship between cellular iron and lysosome function. But as far as I can gather, there's really not a lot yet known in this respect. Um, but again, you know, kind of coming back to that fine-tuned balance, I think that that it's likely that there is this close relationship between lysosome function and and iron uh, use, iron availability in the cell, um, and it's likely that cells can adjust this balance to respond to their environment. Yeah. Um, you know, as to the the genetic implications of of some of these um, uh, you know SNPs that may be associated with with diabetes development. You know, I, I don't really know. I mean, I know that, that it's certainly possible that it could err on more on the side of, of, of iron regulation, but, you know, maybe I'm biased in this regard, but I think perhaps it's a little more likely that um, lysosomal function plays a role in this. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be
0: interesting to look at some uh, HFE mutation tissue and see, you know, what's going on in, in, in their, you know, in their betas and maybe a, on a global, you know, a, a
1: tissue, um, effect. I, I agree. Um, I think that would be very, very interesting. And, you know, in addition to that, one of the, the things that we're particularly interested in is this, um, lysosomal enzyme called cathepsin H. So, um, cathepsin H is, um, one of the type one diabetes risk loci that's been identified through these GWAS studies. And, um, you know, there's a clear role for the disease allele in cathepsin H with, um, it's associated with uh, faster disease progression um, in newly diagnosed diabetes, um, Mm -hmm. as well as reduced beta cell function in uh, healthy humans. So, um, you know, there's not a lot we know yet, about that. And what role does that have in iron homeostasis, you know? I
0: know. And what, um, has anybody looked at the proton pumps? Uh, uh yeah,
1: uh, you know great. what? Yeah, there is, there is some, some literature, um, on that. Um, uh, so people have done some, uh, uh, genetic knockouts of, um, a key isoform of the vacuolar, uh, type, uh, Uh, ATPase that's present on lysosomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and when you knock that out, it does lead to impaired insulin secretion. Mm -hmm. So, so, so. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much to do
0: here. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you have that R01. (laughs) Um, What about, um, okay, let me, let's just do a couple more. I'm sorry. I'm just like, so interested in this, um, asking so many questions, but, you know, did these, when you looked at these tissues, did, did you guys have a chance to look at whether or not the patient tissues had higher atelial lysosomes, lysosomes in their macrophage
1: populations? Like, was it a global effect or did you just have a chance to look at the beta cells? So, so we really, you know, we mostly looked at the beta cells. Um, and, and, you know, I guess I take that back. We looked at beta cells. We've also looked at alpha cells, um, uh, and and we do see a change in the number of telolysosomes in the alpha cell population as well. Um, I don't know what what that means yet, um, but we have not looked in in other cell types, so I can't okay. really speak to that yet.
0: Okay. And what about this? Um, the origin of this nitrogen rim on the lysosomes, telolysosomes that you saw—that was weird.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, you know. Again, you know, I, hate, I keep saying this. The answer is I don't know for sure. Um, but you know, the the main body of the lysosome consists of um, phospholipids. So we can see this um, in our elemental analysis um, that that was done. Um, we can see this represented by high levels of um, phosphorus and osmium, which is known to bind to lipids. And then we see this this um, kind of nitrogen nitrogen rim. Um, on these telolysosomes. And we think that it's likely representative of protein. So um, my thought is that that the increased nitrogen and thus increased protein in the telolysosomes could be indicative of an increase in undigested protein um, and potentially of defective lysosomes in the autoantibody positive group. You know, again, I can't say that for sure, um, but that's yeah. that's my hunch. This will be so fun to see what um,
0: you guys find. I wonder, um, let's see, a couple other angles. Uh, do you have an, a hypothesis of altered uh, lysosome dysfunction preceding uh, clinical hyperglyce- hyperglycemia? What else can be said about that?
1: Yeah, you know, this is um, something that that we kind of went back and forth with the reviewers um, of, our, of our paper on this. Um, you know, I think that the evidence Suggesting defective um, lysosomes in the autoantibody-positive donors is suggestive that that autophagy dysfunction could precede hyperglycemia. Um, but you know we're here taking a static snapshot yeah. of a very very dynamic process, and I think that that ultimately we're limited in the conclusions that we can make from that. Um, I will mention that one other uh, focus in my lab is to apply what's called intravital microscopy to the study of the islet. And so so that's just a fancy word for um, microscopy of tissues in living animals. So so we've been doing a lot of work using um, xenograft models where we take um, uh, I mean, we can do this in the endogenous mouse pancreas, of course, but but we can also take Human islets, and we can transplant them into mice and study right. how they function after yeah. they engraft into the mouse. So, so ultimately, I think that that applying some of these methods is going to be the key to really understanding what's going on. Um, yeah, chicken or
0: egg, and the timeline. Right. It's going to be really interesting. Right. Um, and again, um, you know, if I was a postdoc again, I would be definitely sending my CV to. You. <laughs> Well, I'm hiring. So yes. you know, we're looking for, for students, postdocs. Fantastic. Um, I, I want to just, just like two, three short more questions. Is there any overlap that you uh, can think of with lysosomal storage diseases and the phenomenon and you're reporting like Neiman pick C mm-hmm. or
1: anything like that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, we, I don't have a, a great answer for that um, because we haven't really studied it um, in that context, but we have discussed the concept, um, probably at nauseum in the lab, um, that, that type 1 diabetes could perhaps be characteris- uh, characterized as a lysosomal storage disease. Um, I think we don't really have enough evidence yet that directly implicates lysosome dysfunction in beta cell demise during type 1 pathogenesis, um, but we are pursuing um, some of this now. So maybe if you ask me again in a year, I'll have a better answer. <laughs> yeah, it should be, could be some... Fun collaborations with other laboratories that follow, you know, that are
0: focused on that. Definitely. And then if autophagy is impaired, what are the impacts does it have subcellularly? Like, could it, uh, you know, could hampered autophagy result in like a defective proteasome? And that was kind of inferred by this Cuervo et al. paper in 1995, way back when. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the proteasome, right? That's involved in like getting, you know, scrambling up whatever's around for the MHC one to present. So, like, could right. this be messing up the proteasome?
1: Uh, absolutely, um, you know, um, first, let me just say that Anna Cuervo has done um, really some fantastic work in this realm, um, and she's got a large body of literature. Um, um, you know, a lot of it is focused on on chaperone mediated autophagy, um, but but she's really done a lot um, uh, in that realm. But, you know, autophagy and uh, back to your question, autophagy and proteasome mediated degradation are Um, really complementary to one another under this umbrella of ER associated degradation. So you can imagine a scenario where putting extra stress on maybe one part of the system um, through defects in the other arm could lead to inefficient function. Um, And there's some evidence that this can do a lot of damage in the cell. So, so, you know, what are the um, outcomes of that? I'm, I don't know for sure in the beta cell, and especially not in the context of type one pathogenesis. Yes. But very, very interesting question. Yeah,
0: well, it'll all be seen. Maybe, maybe um, Anna might get interested too. The more, the merrier, I say, because you know, I really believe that. I mean, we have the proof of concept with the COVID pandemic. More scientists got involved. Science was accelerated. Vaccines were created. So yes. <laughs> hopefully, let's you know. Hopefully, that will be. Um, the organic interaction that comes from some of um, these podcasts and people hearing them. Um, I wanted, to, uh, you know, there's I wanted to ask, you know, we or tell say that you know we're looking forward to hosting you at our upcoming sort of off the record next week, at February 25th. That's a private discussion of experts around the globe about uh, autophagy and senescence, what it is, what it means, and whether it's even connected or not. Um, and so that'll be very exciting. And thank you again for participating. Um, as an expert in this field. I wondered um, if there's anything else you want to add to our listeners
1: or, um, you know, anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned this, this autophagy senescence link and, you know, the link between autophagy and senescence is, you know, is not even a teenager yet. Right. (laughs) It's a, it's about 10 years old. And so, so I think it's really not completely hashed out. Um, it seems to be cell type dependent as to whether autophagy promotes or inhibits autophagy. I'm sorry, whether um, autophagy promotes or inhibits senescence. Um, and, and there's a lot, not a lot that's known yet, especially in the beta cell. So, so I think that, that it is clear that um, there is a link and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we can figure out. Um, and, and what that link means in the beta cell. Um, you know I, I look forward to seeing kind of where this leads, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to, to have an impact on, on the field in really in understanding some of these early mechanisms of dysfunction um, within the beta cell that, that alter this dialogue with the immune system and could potentially lead to autoimmune attack.
0: Yeah, because really, that's at the heart of the question. Even if you know there's a um, a practical cure where people you know uh, are in remission, shall we say, from type one, or they can manage it with technology, there's all the question will always be there. What is the beginning of this disease? Why does it happen? What initiates it? And I think you're on the forefront of asking those questions and examining those questions. And I my hat is off to you. I think this is such a great um, such a great uh, place for young scientists to flock to. And um, you know, in as we said, Indiana is a great place. You're an awesome mentor. And so thank, thank you. you again. and I hope that everyone um, I hope you'll get some uh, CVs after this, <laughs> after this <laughs> podcast airs. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you again.